0: And Jacob's dealings with each other, and Jacob's going to try to leave and uh, get gone, and Laban's going to chase him down. But really the theme of the rest of this chapter and the next chapter is going to be the same thing that we've seen. It's going to be a recurring theme uh, since the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end. It's that you're going to see, and Jacob is going to explicitly say this, you're going to see that God is keeping his promise, even in the midst of hard circumstances, even in the midst of people that try to, uh, uh, you know, Laban's going to be doing everything he can to stop Jacob from prospering, stop Jacob from being blessed, stop him from... You know, splitting up the, their, their family. He's going to be doing everything he can to hinder Jacob, and God is not going to allow it to happen. We're also going to see that Jacob himself is still going to be doing some stupid things. I mean, he's still going to be doing some dumb things. He's still going to be, you know, if it's left just up to Jacob and his heart or his intelligence or whatever, he's not going to make it. You know, it's God keeping his, his promises. So the next couple chapters is going to be really the theological theme of it's going to be God's faithfulness and I hope I hope by now that theme is being hammered into your brain over and over and over again so that when I mean we, we've seen it in just about every section so that when you know things happen in your own life you know things go on I mean right now on both sides of the country there's you know Suffering and, and tragedy and, and and it's something that you and I need to understand even in the midst of all kind of suffering, even in the midst of all kind of tragedy, even in the midst of people trying to get over on you or trying to stop God's promise from coming to pass or or whatever, God is going to be faithful to his promise and nothing in heaven and earth can come against that. And prosper when His promises, uh, when His word has declared a thing. Y'all with me? Everybody understand? I hope that I know it gets a little redundant when we're talking about the same thing over and over again. But that's what that's what the point of this of this book is. God is keeping His promise. He's a promise-keeping God. Um so verse twenty-five, we just saw this big long list of of the sons being born and how the women, Rachel and Leah, were fighting over who was gonna be the, the head wife, who was gonna be the most beloved wife, and they were fighting for Jacob's love. They were fighting to see who would come out on top as far as the 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 best child bearer or, or whatever, and they were they had um they descended into doing some very depraved things. Uh, They hired Jacob out for a night, you know, for uh, some superstition about mandrakes providing fertility. We saw all that last week. Um, And in 25, what has happened at the end of 24, we saw last week, is Joseph is born. Now this is a milestone when Joseph is born. What's different about Joseph being born than the rest of the sons being born? He was the favorite. He was the favorite, but why was he the favorite? That's your right. Because he was the only child of Rachel's so far. She's also going to have Benjamin a little later. But up to this point, at this point, now remember, Rachel's barren. She's not had any kids. And Jacob loved Rachel. I mean, Jacob, as far as Jacob was concerned, Rachel was the wife. She was, you know, the one that he was there for. And so what would Jacob naturally think about this firstborn son of Rachel? He was what? He, we think he was the heir. He was the seed. He was the one that was promised. And so when Joseph is born, this barren wife that he loves so much finally has a child from her own body. He says, okay, now... It's time for me to go. In verse twenty five, it says, And it came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go into my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service, which I have done which I have done thee. So he says Jacob is he, he's ready to go. More than likely it doesn't explicitly say this, but I think he probably thought Joseph was the promised heir. Heir. And so now I've got the promised heir. I have, uh, you know, um, got my wife and now I am going to head back to my own country. It's interesting to know that we're 14 years into this thing uh, with Jacob. He's 14 years in Laban's country and still he does not consider it to be his home. He says, "Send me back to my own country, my own home." Why is that? Do you think? I mean, 14 years is a long time. 14 years is a long time to be living. He probably got to know everybody. He was, you know, going out shepherding Laban's flocks and doing all those things. Why did he not think so far that this was his home? Why would what would keep him from thinking? Well, you know, I can just make my my home here. Come on, it's an easy one, huh? Guy told him. Bethel that he back. Yeah, yeah. God told him in Bethel, remember Genesis 28, I am going to be with you. I'm going to Bring you back to this land that I promised you. And he said, and I will not leave you until all of this is fulfilled. And so even after 14 years, of seven years working for Rachel, seven years working for uh, for Leah, and after all of this time, all of this stuff, we see that he is still, although he's not perfect yet, and I don't even think he's actually a man of faith yet. That'll come when he wrestles with God and his name is changed. But he has still got the promise of God in mind. He's still got the thinking, I've got to go back to my own country. God is going to bless me there. God is going to prosper me there. God is going to fulfill all his word that he has given through my fathers and to me there. And so he's ready to go home, back to my own country. The promise that he made, it was Genesis 28, 15, that Dean is talking about there in Bethel, where he said, I will bring you back. Uh, Verse 26, he says, don't owe, he, he doesn't owe Laban anymore. He doesn't owe Laban anymore. He has worked seven years for Rachel, right? He's worked seven years for Leah. And he's not a servant. He's a family member, right? So he's married to these daughters. So he has a right to basically demand. He's not really just asking. He's saying, give me my wives. Give me my wives that I've worked for, in verse 26, whom I serve thee. Let me go, for thou knowest my service that I have done thee. He He doesn't owe. God has been faithful to him. His sons, you know, he has brought forth all these sons. But the one thing that he doesn't have yet is what God had promised that he would be prosperous, that he would be a great nation, that he would grow in. He doesn't have anything. He showed up on Laban's doorstep with nothing. Absolutely nothing. In order to get these daughters for his wives, he had to work, work it off because he didn't have camels and and gold nose rings and all that kind of stuff that Abraham's servant brought to get Rebecca. Y'all with me? Remember? Okay. He has nothing. And now, 14 years later, still has absolutely nothing. I mean, he's part of Laban's household, he's doing work for Laban, but he's basically just worked off the debt that he owes for taking these two daughters. And so he really is no closer, he's got his sons, he's got his heir, he's got his wife, he's got his family, but he's no closer to seeing this promise of... of, of uh, Prosperity fulfilled, a blessing fulfilled, than he was before, and so he says, "You know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to claim this blessing. I'm going to. God is going to start blessing me at, you know, in my own country." When he says, "I'm leaving." Jacob said uh, Laban says in verse 27 Laban said unto him I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes tarry for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake and he said appoint me thy wages and I will give it now Laban has seen exactly what we've been talking about it is God that has been blessing Jacob. It has been God that has been blessing all of Jacob's efforts. It's God that has been blessing everything that Jacob does. And Laban has benefited from that From that blessing. It's interesting to me that Laban sees and understands that God, this God of Jacob, who is you know, not necessarily the God of Laban, we're going to see that later in the next chapter, but this God of Jacob is blessing Jacob And Laban is benefiting from it. If you knew that there was God blessing this man and you were benefiting from it, it seems to me like you would want to seek after that God, wouldn't you? But that's not what Laban... Laban doesn't want this God... He doesn't want to know this God or to seek after this God or to worship this God or serve this God. He just wants more of the blessing. He just wants some more blessings from this God. That's something that we see over and over again today. Something that we see people want the blessing of God. They want the mercy of God. They want God to work in their lives, but they don't want to serve God. They don't want God. They want the gifts that God gives. Y'all have any examples of that? Y'all are looking at me like... No. no, I mean, I, yeah, I see it all the time in, in extended family members that, you know, God bless them, they don't want to serve God. Or I come to my nephew and I say, look, you know, you know this is you know, the deal. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want that right now. And, you know, it's like, I know that's right, but I'm, I don't want to serve God. Yeah, right. yeah. And really it's... I mean, it's it, it's kind of sad. I mean, it, it's sad to the point where <coughs> I'm trying to think about how best to phrase it, but. But you know, then but then something will happen in their life, and they'll have a a, a, you know, a baby, or something. oh, God bless me with a baby, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. God bless me with a job, but, but I still ain't serving this guy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he does that all the time. I mean, isn't that that how good he is that he blesses? Even though, I mean, even though more often than not, we just spit it back in his face. Laban knew. He, He, in verse 27, chapter 30, he knew, he knew that it was God that blessed Jacob. I mean, that just, it blows my mind. Laban said, he said, if I have found favor in thine eyes, Terry, he said, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for thy sake. But he doesn't want the Lord. I mean, he doesn't want the Lord at all. He wants Jacob to hang around because he's enjoying the blessings. He's enjoying making, let's just be honest about what it is, he's enjoying making the money. I mean, Laban is all about money. That's all, he's a cheat and a liar, and we've seen that over and over again. He's all about making the money, and he thinks that God is blessing Jacob. If I keep Jacob around, I'm going to get more money out of the deal. Really, that should that should terrify Laban. It should terrify him that God is blessing Jacob. Because we're going to see here in a little bit, in the next chapter, Laban cheats Jacob like ten times. Jay, Laban has cheated him over and over again. We're going to see him cheat him several times in practice in the next chapter as well. And the point of it all is that he doesn't care about Laban. He doesn't care about Jacob's God. He doesn't care about Jacob's faith. He doesn't care about any of that. All he wants is the blessing of Jacob being around. Because he knows that God is going to bless Jacob. He's given him a promise. That promise is going to be fulfilled come hell or high water. Nothing's going nothing's to stop that promise from being fulfilled. All he wants is him to hang around so that he can receive some of that some of that blessing. Um, He says, you you appoint me thy wages, in verse 28, and I will give it. Appoint me thy way. He says, look, whatever it takes to get you to stay, whatever it takes, you tell me what it's going to take and I will do it. I'm I'm willing to pay. Notice, Laban is not just, he's not just, well, I sure wish you'd hang out. He's hungry for it. Whatever it takes, you need more money. I'll give you more money. You need. You just tell me what it's going to take for you. What should I pay you to stay and to work my my flocks for me? I will. I will do it. He is. He's got a taste of uh, the the prosperity that comes as God is blessing Jacob, and he wants more. But Jacob, see, if I'm Jacob, I'm thinking. I'm remembering the last time I made a deal with you, man. It didn't turn out too good. You know, I I woke up, you know, next to my wife and realized it wasn't wasn't the one I wanted. It was a different one. You kind of snuck Leah in on me. And so Jacob is not going to make this deal with Laban. He's not going to, he's not going to quote unquote work for Laban anymore. He said in verse 29, he says, and he said to him, this is Jacob. Now thou knowest how I've served thee and how thy cattle was with me. He says, you know how I took care of your flocks. He says, For it was little which thou hast before I came, and now it is increased unto a multitude. No wonder Laban wants Jacob to stay. And the Lord has blessed you, thee, since my coming. And now, when shall I provide for my own house also? So both of them recognize that it's God who has blessed. It's not just because Jacob's an awesome shepherd, or Jacob's got you know a good head on his shoulders. It's God that has blessed the flocks because Jacob is there. So Laban understands it. Jacob understands it. He understands that his herds grew, and you know, he attributes the growth and the wealth and the prosperity to God, but he says, look. I'm the bearer of this promise and I don't see it being fulfilled, it's time for me to grow my own household. It's time for me to have my own home. It's time for me to, you know, for my family to prosper. It's time for me to to claim this promise, you know? We said that earlier, that he was really no closer to having this promise fulfilled than he was 14 years ago when he came to Laban's doorstep looking for a wife. So Jacob basically says, I'm not working for you anymore. I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to build my own house. I'm going to build my own place. And so he says in uh, verse 31, Laban's not going to give up that easy. He says, what shall I give thee? Now this is different from what shall your wages be. Now we're not talking about employment. We're not talking about you work for me, I'll pay you. We're talking about, look, I'll give you whatever it is that you want. Whatever it is, you tell me what you want, I will. Laban is, he's desperate. But he's not desperate for God, he's desperate for the blessings that come from entertaining this guy who is blessed of God. So he says, these are not wages. Ladies are desperate. He says, look, you just tell me what I'm going to give you. Tell me what I can give you to get you to stay here. And Jacob says, this is very reminiscent of what Abraham said to the king of Sodom. You remember? He says, thou shalt not give me anything. If thou will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flocks. Jacob's going to make his own deal. He's like, look, you're not going to give me, you're not going to give me anything. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my terms. Now here are the terms, and then we're going to talk about this. It says, I will pass through all the flock today, today, he says, this day, I'm going to pass through all the flock, removing from this all the speckled and spotted cattle, all the brown cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, And of such shall be my hire. He says, now get this. This is important. What's going to happen? He says, i tell you what. You want me to keep your flock? I will. This is what I want. I want today, like this is not three weeks from now, but today I'm going to walk through your herd of sheep and goats. And I'm going to take out all the spotted sheep, all the speckled brown goats. I'm going to take out every animal that has blemishes, what we would call blemishes, all the discolored, the speckled, the striped, the spotted. I'm going to take out all those animals. They would be rare in, in, a, in a, you know, you've seen pictures of herds of sheep or, or most of them are, you know, they're not sparkly white like you see in the cartoons, but they're they're pretty much solid color, you know, white, grayish kind of looking. He said, I'm going to take all the ones that are spotted that has black spots on it or brown spots on it. I'm, I'm going to take all those and I'm going to take all the. The spotted and the speckled goats. And he says, I'm going to leave you all the solid color ones. He said, that's going to be my hire. What is Jacob doing right here? What does he want? His own. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. He wants his own herd. He wants his own flock. Now, he was going to take the rare animals, so this would have been a really good deal for Laban. I mean, this would have been if Jacob would have been allowed. He's not going to be, but if he would have been allowed to walk through the herd and take all the spotted, the speckled, all the discolored animals, this would have been a really good deal. He would have taken them for his own herd, and Laban's probably thinking, you know, if he takes all of them out, they're not going to be crossbreeding with mine anyway. So it's it's really it's really not. Not too feasible that too many more of these speckled and spotted would be born in my herd. So I just give them to them, you know, it's a one time deal. Walk through the herd and just give them all, you know, give them all the speckled deal. And if perhaps one or two maybe are born that are speckled or spotted out of all of my solid color sheath, you know, so what? That's nothing. A shepherd would usually get ten or twenty percent of the herd. He says I mean he think he's probably thinking this is a really, really good deal. So he says I'll pass through today, and I'll do this. And he says, so shall my righteousness answer for me in a time to come. He knows Laban's probably going to backstab him, knows he's going to accuse him. He says, when it shall come for my hire before thy face, everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats, brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. He says, if you walk through my herd, The one that belongs to me, and you see any animals that are not spotted, speckled, any of those animals, you can say that I stole them. He said, because the only ones that are going to be in my herd are the spotted and the speckled, and you got it, okay? Laban said, behold, verse 34, I would it might be according to thy word. He says, deal, okay? So Jacob is going to stay. Jacob is going to begin building his own house with the spotted and speckled. Now, here's where it gets interesting. And this is how it's going to apply to us today. Laban, the dirty, rotten scoundrel, is going to cheat Jacob again. It says in verse 35, he, Laban, removed that day... The he goats that were ring straight, that striped and spotted, and all the she goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he set three days journey betwixt himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. What did Laban do? Did oh, like stop <laughs> yeah, that day, he didn't even get, I mean Jacob's like, okay, I'm going to go through the herd I'm going to pick out, you just let me keep all the spot. that day, as soon, in my mind, I'm thinking as soon as the conversation's is over, Jake, uh, Laban tells his sons, this is what I want you to do I want you to go through these herds, I want you to take out all the speckled, all the spotted, all the ones that you know Jacob just said are going to be mine, and I want you to take them out and I want you to go three days uh, down the road where they, they're not around, they're hiding them from Jacob and they're not intermingling with these sheep and I want you to just keep them there. So what happens when Jacob walks through the herd? They're right They're down there. Down there, Now it, you think Jacob's just stupid? You, you think he's thinking, well, you know, today, yesterday it was quite a few of these speckled sheep and now there's none. That's weird how that works. You think Jacob, no, he's a... It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize what just happened. Laban has cheated him. Laban has cheated him. He is—he has taken all the ones that were supposed to be Jacob's, and he's put them in charge of his son, Sent them three days down the road. So now, what's look at the look at the predicament Jacob's in. Now, he says, and it says, it, it's amazing to me, at the end of it, it says, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Jacob just quietly goes ahead and begins shepherding the flocks. But what has happened now is Jacob has zero sheep, zero goats. Laban has moved all the goats and all the sheep off three days away. Jacob has none. And if you look at at Laban's herds, Jacob is now tending, there are none. It's all solid color. All... So what are the chances of some more speckled or spotted or whatever being born? There's chances that it could be born, but most likely, you know, just from common sense and animal breeding, you know that if you put two of the same kind, they might have a recessive gene that brings a spotted whatever. But, you know, more than likely, they're going to not bring forth spotted or speckled or whatever. If I'm Jacob, I'm thinking, this is not fair. I'm not doing it. Forget this. I mean, this guy's cheated me there's no way for me to prosper there's no way for me to build my home there's no way for me to claim the promise of God I mean God has promised me that I'm going to have a great nation that I'm going to be the father of many nations that I'm going to have descendants as many as the sky and the, the, the stars in the sky and I'm going to be prosperous and kings are going to come from me that's what the, the promise said to Abraham and now this Laban guy has attacked me in such a way he has subverted me and stolen from me so now God God is not going to be able to keep his promise. Does Jacob say any of that? No. That's what I would be thinking. God, how are you going to be able to keep your promise when this evil guy keeps cheating me? We're going to see in the next chapter, he says he changed Jacob's wages 10 times. In this time, they, by by the worldly standard, by just looking with fleshly eyes, there's absolutely no way that God is going to be able to fulfill this promise to Jacob because of the actions of a wicked man that is uh, that is continually deceiving and stealing from Jacob. But you and I know what's going to happen. You and I know that so far in Genesis, God has been faithful to overcome any obstacle, whether it be armies that. Come Come in and attack, whether it be the sin in our own hearts, he has overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle to make sure that he is faithful to his word, make sure that his promise is fulfilled, and make sure that what he says will come to pass in the lives of the people that are his promise bearers. Y'all with me? What's going to happen? Jacob took Jacob took him rods of green poplar. I want to show you this. We'll read it first, and then we'll explain it. Jacob took him rods of green poplar, poplar, and the hazel and chestnut tree, and he peeled white stakes on them. What it means is he peeled strips in them so that the white would appear, which was on the rods. He made them look striped, and he set the rods which he had peeled before the flocks in the gutters and the waters in the water troughs when the flocks came to drink, and they should that they should conceive when they came to drink. They came to mate before these water troughs. He put these striped stakes, and the flocks conceived before the rods and they brought forth cattle, ring streaked, that's striped, speckled, spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban and he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not in Laban's cattle. Now, what's going on here? I want to show you that Jacob, you already know What's going to happen? For some miraculous reason, we know it's the promise of God. We know it's God's work, God's hand in keeping His word. The animals of Laban are going to start bringing forth striped animals and spotted animals and speckled animals. And every time they're born, every time a new a new uh, uh, deal is born, Jacob is going to separate those, and his herds are going to grow. His 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 flocks are going to grow, even though Laban cheated him and took the speckled ones three days away. But I want to show you this, this idea that this idea that if I put some striped stuff in front of them, I'm going to get striped babies. That is a superstitious deal that is common in the ancient, ancient Near East. And it seems to me, and this is just me thinking out loud. Y'all can tell me what you think. It seems to me that Jacob is... I mean, he's got the promise of God, and he's going to continue in that, but it seems to me like he's kind of covering his bases. He seems like, well, well, just in case God is not able to do this deal, in the next chapter he is going to make sure that we know, Jacob's going to say it out of his own mouth, it is God who has brought forth these striped animals and spotted animals, and it's God who has done this. And so he's not going to attribute it to these you know, striped poles that he's sitting in front of them. But it seems to me like and this is just me thinking that it's almost like, you know, God, you're gonna have to move, but in case you don't, I'm gonna cover my bases and just make sure that I've got me a plan working. Do we do we still do that today? Then again, you know, he could have seen them as being just available. God made these available for me to use this. It's possible. It's yeah. possible. <clears throat> and so I'm not I'm not dogmatic about why he stuck You know, striped poles in the yard. As long as we all understand, and it's clear from the scripture, we'll see in the next chapter that it is God who brought forth these animals to prosper Jacob. Um, The one thing that I that I do know is it is either it it is man. I can't speak. It is either miraculous that God used this to bring forth. You know, or it is Jacob just trusting, but you know, I'm just not sure we need to take precautions just in case. It's one of those two things. But the one thing that we can say is that with all the circumstances, I mean, there could not be a bigger test of God's faithfulness and power than this because Jacob's back is against the wall there is I mean from a worldly standard there is no way that Jacob is going to be able to prosper there is no way that God's word is going to be fulfilled there's no way that God's going to fulfill his promise Every Every roadblock that can possibly be put up in his way has been put up in his way. And every time he turns around, this guy, Laban, is trying to cheat him, trying to stop the promise of God from happening. And what we're going to see is that nothing, not any man, not any not anything in earth, not anything in heaven, can stop God's promise from coming to pass for those who bear the promise of God. Do we bear the promise of God today? You say, I mean, we're talking about I don't know, three or four thousand years ago. This is Jacob, and what about today? Do you bear the promise of God today? Are there any promises of God for you here, sitting in Brownsville, Tennessee, 2017? Name one. What are some? He said he'd never leave us or forsake. Us. Never leave us or forsake us. Because of who we are in Christ. What's another one? Eternal life. He promised us eternal life. He promised us that we'll be with Him forever. We trust in Christ. What else? An abundant life. Abundant. He says, "I not just life, but life more abundantly. I came to give you an abundant life. I came to give you a fulfilled life. What else? I mean there's literally hundreds Just pick one you can, go, you can go through the scripture And because you are in Christ Who is the seed that we see from Genesis The prophesied seed Because you are in Christ you. It says all the promises of God In him are yea and amen All the promises of God uh, Find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ So what that means is You can go through the scripture From the very first chapter of Genesis To the 22nd chapter of Revelation And every promise of God to people to the people who are righteous to the people who are faithful is found in Jesus Christ. So you can claim every promise of God in Christ, and there is absolutely nothing. Even when a laban comes along, or disaster comes along, or tragedy comes along, we know that those things happen in the fallen world. Even when it looks like everything is against you, and there's no way that God is going to be able to to fulfill His promise. Understand that even from the beginning, all the way through the scripture to the end of the book of Revelation, there is nothing that can stop God from fulfilling his purpose, from fulfilling his word to those who bear his promise, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Make sense? Yes? Maybe this is a, but when I see Jacob's response to Laban after he took his sheep, and he didn't say nothing about continued on and did the right thing in God's eyes so to speak-hmm it's almost uh, showing us in a, in a long previous example of things when Christ you know said you know someone takes your shirt off from your coat also or, or you know just it was almost a Christ-like response yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that but yeah I guess it is you know. because he just I mean I, all I know is my heart if I made a deal and the guy cheated me, I mean, I've already been cheated. I've worked seven extra years for a wife I didn't want, really, and if he cheated me out of the deal, I'm talking about today. Like, we made this deal at eight o'clock in the morning and at 10 o'clock he cheated me out of my end of the deal, I would be, railing. I would be upset. I would be, oh, no, 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 no. Paying evil for evil, I mean, that's a serious example, I think. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he, just went on and said you know what I'm going to just trust I'm going to just trust that God's going to take care of it. And he continued. The end of the verse says that, And it came to pass, Whosoever, whensoever, the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in, so the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger were Jacob's. And so he's, he's kind of using common sense. He's he's using smart breeding techniques to make sure that he gets the stronger animals. And of course, despite his strategy despite we see that we know from the scripture from the next chapter Jacob is going to clearly say it was God who brought this forth it was not my strategy or my whatever but you see that he's not just sitting on his rear end going alright God take care of it he is he's doing what he needs to do he's working he's working the cattle and the last verse in the chapter says and the man increased exceedingly Jacob increased exceedingly and he had much cattle he had maidservants, manservants, camels, and asses, donkeys. Now he's he's keeping the flocks of Laban, which are goats and sheep. Where did he get the camels and the maidservants? Probably traded someone else. Absolutely, yeah. The man got so prosperous and wealthy, he was able to to trade, buy whatever. You know, if you see a man in this day and age with camels, that signified he was a wealthy guy because camels were really only used for transportation i mean you can't get milk from them you can't eat i don't know can you get milk from a camel? i don't know i don't think so i don't think so you can't they were used to transport people and goods, I mean that's what they were used for. And so he he became prosperous even in the face of even in the face of the the biggest obstacles that you could possibly imagine. If you were to look at this, it took about six years. He was with Laban about twenty years, fourteen for the two wives, and then six years. You know during this time that the, his herds were growing. By the by the beginning of this this uh, this time, you would have said, "There's no way. There's no way that he could prosper." There's no way that this can happen. But God promised. And when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. I don't care who's against it. I don't care who comes against you. I don't care whether the principalities, powers, the, the devil himself in hell decides, I'm going to stop that from happening. If God has made the promise, it will come to pass. Always. Okay? So we're going to see that over and over again. I'm going to try to take the whole of the next chapter. It's 55 verses, so it's a lot. We may not be able to just read it verse by verse next week. But Laban is, I mean, Jacob is going to try to escape. And Laban is going to chase after him. And then we're going to see the interaction that they have together. And then we're going to focus our attention on Joseph. Okay? Is there any questions, comments? What you need to see today, what you need to understand is that you are a promise.